in some ways, the traditions of Scotland survive most vividly in its islands off the West Coast. These are the Hebrides. We've invited two of our favorite Scottish guides into the studio to share stories and tips on their favorite islands. Liz Lister is from Fife, Colin Mares is from Glasgow, and they're both here with us now to share a little better understanding of Scotland's inner Hebrides. Thanks for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey, Colin, when you um, think about the Hebrides, we hear that word a lot, mm. Hebrides. These are the islands off of the west, west. of Scotland, but there's inner and outer Hebrides. Yeah. What's the story there? So the inner Hebrides, they're basically the ones that are closer to mainland Scotland, outer Hebrides, further out. So probably most people going to visit islands off the coast of Scotland will go to the inner Hebrides. They're right. easier to access. Liz, when you're thinking of the inner Hebrides, which ones are, are your favorites and, and which one's the most popular with the tourists? Well, Oban, which is on the west coast of Scotland, is known as the Charing Cross of the islands. There's a saying, the earth unto the Lord belongs and all that it contains, except the Kyles and the Western Isles, for these are all McBrains. <laughs> and McBrains, <Whoa>. Caledonian <laughs> McBrains, are the ferry company. So people will come to Oban, and that's the jumping off point to go to the islands. So Oban is the Charing Cross. Charing Cross would be the big train station in London that's from right. where you uh, depart to go to different places. So Oban would be the jumping off point. It's the big port on the mainland from where the ferries go. Absolutely. To the so Kyles, what is Kyles? Kyles are the stretches of water. So the little okay. islands are scary. So the, so the straits and the, the, the bays Isles and the Kyles. So, the so everything is the Lord's except for the Isles and, and the, the waters. Kyles. And that because is Because McBrain's have the, they are the major link backwards and forwards to the islands. They carry passengers, they carry freight, they carry tourists. So, so, so this Cal- is the ferry system, mm-hmm. Caledonian McBray, is that That's what it correct. is? correct, yes. Yeah, because Cal- every time I think of an island scene, there's a dramatic ferry coming mm. across it. It's just, it's just a beautiful thing. And you have the jumping off point in the railway terminal at Oban. And so people coming from Glasgow will directly connect with the ferries ah. and go out. So in answer to your question, probably the most two popular are the ones closest, so Mull mm-hmm. and uh, Iona we can come back to because yeah. Iona is really accessible as a day or you know right. for a particular reason. Okay, so you got Mull and you got Iona because those are the first stops on the ferries are, are very close by. Cullen, when you think mm. of the Inner Hebrides, what are mm-hmm. some of the names that uh, come to mind of the islands, the major islands? So you've got Mull and Iona and you've got uh, Skye, that's probably the most well-known one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, islands with quite humorous names like Muck, Egg and Rum. Muck, egg, and rum. <laughs> yes. Have you been to any of those islands? Uh, I've not actually, no. But you, you see them as you drive towards the when you're going when you're going by ferry to the island yeah. sky. Now so. the island that is so famous now and so trendy, really, is Sky. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you when you think about Sky, mm-hmm. what should a traveller know if they want to visit Sky? Mm. Sky is really popular because it's got a bridge. So some of the people from the other islands of the Hebrides they'll claim that Sky is no longer an island. It's just part of the mainland now. It's linked. But it's very hot just now, very, very popular. And you've got some of the most amazing scenery in all of Scotland, especially in the accessible. north you of the Sky. You can, you can drive up to viewpoints and take mm-hmm. beautiful hikes, yeah. go to the far north and see ruined castles, yeah. drive by peat bogs. Yes. When yeah. you see a peat bog, what do you think? <laughs> well, I think about whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, peat bogs, that's where uh, people for centuries have um, taken the peat from the ground. And peat is like coal, but a few thousand years younger. And they'll put the peat on the fire to warm the home. And it's also used in the whiskey industry for uh, for drying out the barley. It gives Scotch whiskies the peaty, smoky flavours. So if you want to visit a, a whiskey distillery, they're all over Scotland. Yeah, you've got two on the Isle of Skye and one just right next to Skye on the Isle of Rassie, 25-minute ferry ride. 
would they be particularly peaty because this is uh, yes yeah well Talisker is the longest established distillery in Sky mm-hmm. for a long time the only distillery there mm-hmm. and it's a medium peaty whiskey and I'd like to welcome you aboard a Bell of for the sailing to open this is Travel with Rick Steves we're talking with tour guides Cullen Mares and Elizabeth Lister and we're talking about the Inner Hebrides Islands in Scotland and Cindy in Kerry North Carolina emailed us And Cindy writes, we visited the Isle of Skye by renting a car from Inverness and driving there. The driving was quite an experience with not only driving on the left-hand side, but also single-track roads and livestock encounters. It's a place that is really difficult to be on time schedule-wise. You have to allow a lot of time for getting around, even if the distance don't look very far on a map. So that's interesting when you're driving. Uh, it is... Um, handy to have a car for the Isle of Skye, and you can rent one at Inverness. I think the roads are pretty good from Inverness to Skye. Yeah. And then you get on Skye, and what's, like, what's yeah. driving on Skye like? Uh, so driving in Skye in some parts, especially when you go north of Portree and around that loop called the Trotternish, uh-huh. you've got a lot of parts that are single-track road, and they'll just have uh, passing places. Right. So you've got to kind of understand how they work. It's basically we drive on the left, and so you pull in only to the left. So basically whoever's closest to, if you're coming head-to-head on a, a sky standoff, right, a sky. then it's the person who's got the closest space to them on their left, they should pull into that one. Into that le- yeah. so, so there are these little pull-ups, very uh-huh. strategically positioned. And also, because of the pressure of tourism, a lot of the smaller islands, not just sky, but the smaller islands with the single-track yeah. roads, they say that they don't drive on the left in Mull, they drive on what's left. Oh, now that's a good way to put it. Liz, when you drive around the islands, you, you're likely to see traditional lifestyles, and you hear people re- referring to a crofter. What, what's a crofter? People think that a croft is the house that's built on the land. A croft is actually a package of land on which the crofter had to build their own house. Now, they were in a terrible situation that if they improved their house, they didn't own the land, they were simply tenants. And so for a long time, if they improved their home, the factor, the manager of the land, could take the home away from them. And so they were basically enslaved. Uh. And that led to the crofting acts of the 1800s, where people began to get ownership of their land so they could pass it on from generation to generation. So now there's so much red tape that they say that a croft is a package of land wrapped up in red tape. Oh, my goodness. So when we think about the highland clearances and the crofters and so on... uh, there, there must be museums that, that let you learn yeah. about that as a traveller. What, what's mm-hmm. one that you would recommend? So on Isle of Skye, in the very far north of the Isle, uh, there's a place called the Museum of Island Life. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a collection of preserved... Some of them were real houses that people lived in, croft houses. Other ones have been built just to house more parts of the museum. And so it just shows the traditional way that people lived on the Isle of Skye, the traditional architecture and, and way of life. It's a delightful, intimate little chance to yeah. to go into a home, a stone home with a sod roof, and imagine what it was like mm-hmm. on that windy, desolate corner of the British Isles. Yeah, so they're, they're thatched roofs, and they're built to fit in with the landscape. They're aerodynamic, really, taking that fierce, so they, fierce winds off the, of, off the they sea. They survive yeah. the wind. Mm-hmm. What are a couple of more uh, things you might see or do uh, while you go to Skye? So one of the other main attractions on Skye is uh, Dunvegan Castle. Uh-huh. So that's over towards the west, uh, near to the town of Dunvegan. And that's the home of uh, the MacLeods. Uh, it's one of the big clans, and they claim to be the longest inhabited, continuously inhabited castle in Scotland, inhabited for over 800 years now. So you took me to a place that has not been continuously inhabited, but mm. is actually quite old. Uh, yeah. Describe that. So and how uh, old is it? So it's known as Dunbeg Broch, 
is uh, several thousands of years old. So going back like Stonehenge time. Yes, yeah, so Stonehenge time, so 3,000 years mm-hmm. old or so. But you stand on that hilltop and you see all these stones scattered all around and you think those yeah. were all stacked up together and yeah. made a fort? Yeah, and so if you see it or see a picture of it, it was once upon a time five times that height. Uh-huh. Uh, basically a defensive uh, structure where the people could get inside and get safe with their animals and um, it's a lookout point as well, see anyone coming, attacking from the sea. Our guides to Scotland's Inner Hebrides are Cullen Mares, who offers custom tours of New Zealand and Australia when he's not leading them in Scotland during the summer, and Liz Lister, who arranges tours of Scotland from her home base in Fife and co-hosts the Scottish Blethers podcast. We have links to their websites and more about Scottish history at ricksteves.com radio. Liz Lister, one of the most famous destinations in the Inner Hebrides is the... Uh, enchanting Isle of Iona. What's special about Iona? It is absolutely enchanting. People go there for the peace and tranquility of this beautiful island. As you leave Finnefort, which is the port on uh, Mull, it's a 10-minute ferry journey back in time. There's a community, a religious community on Iona, which was started by a man called George MacLeod. In the 1930s, he lived on the Clyde in Glasgow, and he was um, a minister and he wanted to be able to give the opportunity to preach and, and become ministers to young people in the community. But he also saw the terrible unemployment and he wanted to give craftsmen work and apprenticeships. So he brought the two together to restore the abbey on the island of Iona. And still today, on the walls of Iona Abbey, there's a saying which says, the earth is thin here, where tissue paper separates the spiritual from the material world. And you feel it, you get it as you step off the boat. This is a spiritual place that has drawn people right back to the time of St. Columba. St. Columba. And he brought Christianity Christianity. to Scotland. What century would that have been? St. Columba was the 600s, the 7th century. And he was born um, the son of a royal family in Donegal in Ireland. He was raised to become a priest. It was said that he burned like a fierce light that he could bring the word of Christianity to people. But the roots aren't clear. It seems that he got himself into trouble. Some say that he went into battle. Some say that he copied the first act of plagiarism. Um, But for whatever reason, he was exiled. And he was told that he had to sail until he could no longer see his beloved Ireland. So he sailed to Collins. He climbed a hill. He could still see Ireland. He sailed on. He landed on Iona, climbed a hill, and he could no longer see Ireland. He travelled with a group of 12 followers who were friends and family. One of them was a man called Oren, his uncle. And Uncle Oren said that he would make a human sacrifice of himself and that he should be buried alive. So they buried Uncle Oren, threw earth over his head and left him for three days. And after three days they dug him up again. Oren sat up and he said that there was no great wonder in heaven and hell wasn't all that it was described as. And so this was totally against the teachings of Christianity. So they shouted, Earth, Earth, or Oren's eyes, lest he blab some more. And this time when they buried him, they didn't dig him up again. I haven't heard that story. Next time I go to Iona, I'll ask a local person about that. He has a chapel. He's got that consolation. You have St. Oren's Chapel. Mm -hmm. Well, even if you're, regardless of your religion or if you're not even a religious person, when you do go to Iona, there is something special about the atmosphere there, and it's well worth the trip. Absolutely. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking about the Inner Hebrides of Scotland, and we've been joined by our tour guides, Cullen Mares and Liz Lister. Thanks, both of you, for helping us better understand this beautiful part of Scotland. Thanks, Rick. On behalf of Caledonian McBrain, 
we'd like to thank you for traveling with us today and we hope you have a pleasant crossing. Thank you. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. In my latest book, For the Love of Europe, I share the highlights of a lifetime of exploring Europe. My favorite experiences, sights, and encounters in a hundred essays. If you love Europe too, this is four decades of greatest hits in 400 pages, made to order to stoke your travel dreams. You can order your copy of For the Love of Europe at ricksteves.com.